0: Hello everyone, it's great to be with you again after eight years, so it's been a long time. Uh, we are here with my wife Elizabeth from Transylvania, Romania. And uh, I was a transform worker here between 2014 and 15. It was a big blessing for me uh, these months, these days that I spent here. It helped me a lot uh, to be part of your church and uh, it helped me in my spiritual growth. Now, uh, we live in Brasov, in uh, the center of the country. I'm pastoring a church there. Uh, Now, uh, it's been a year that we moved there. So, uh, you can pray for us and for our ministry there. I have the privilege now to read God's Word and uh, turn, please, in your Bible to the book of uh, Genesis, uh, chapter 19. And we will read from verse 1 to verse... 29 Genesis chapter 19 1 to 29 The two angels arrived to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city when he saw them he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they stuck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place." The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angel urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away. The city is punished. When he hesitated, the man grasped his hand and hands of his wife and and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it is small, let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zohar. By the time Lot reached, reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur and Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew these cities and the entire plain, destroying all all those living in the city and also the vegetation in the land. The Lord's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived." Daniel, thank you very
1: much. And it's great to see you back. Why don't you and Elizabeth come every Sunday? (laughs) Good morning. My name's Andrew. Uh, I'm part of the church family here. We're going to be looking at Genesis 19. So if you didn't turn it up, could you do me a favor and turn it up now, please? It's on page 19 of the church Bibles. It would make a great difference if you could have that passage open in front of you, please. Genesis 19 on page 19. And we've called this sermon, The Justice and the Mercy of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think God is like Sometimes I meet people who say to me, well, I like to think of God as being like this. Or I like to think of God as being like this. We, we make up our own minds as to what we, what we want God to be like. But of course, that's just our opinion. If we really want to find out what God is like, we need to look at the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It's God speaking to us. It's God revealing himself to us. And one of the things we see very clearly if we read the Bible is that God is a God of justice and a God of mercy. He's a God of justice, he's righteous, he's good. He is light, there is no darkness in him at all, but he's also a God of mercy. He loves us, he loves to forgive us. He loves us when people make the decision to trust him and to become his children. So God is a God of justice and a God of mercy, and we see that in this chapter in the book of Genesis. We're doing a series in the life of Abraham, that's why we're today we've reached chapter 19. I just need to say, before we get into the passage, just to point your attention to the last half of chapter 18. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach on that as well. But if you look at the last half of chapter 18, you will see that God told uh, Abraham then, that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham was very concerned about that, especially because Lot, Abraham's nephew, lived in Sodom. And so Abraham prayed. And he basically said to God, are you really going to destroy Sodom when Lot is there, when someone who is righteous there, someone someone who trusts you is there? Um, Have a look at chapter 18, verse 23, please. Then Abraham approached God and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And God says he won't destroy the city if there are 50 righteous there. And then Abraham prays the same prayer about 45 righteous people. And then the numbers go down and they get as far as 10. Verse 32 Of chapter 18, Abraham said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 righteous people can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Now, the Bible tells us that Lot is someone who trusted God. Lot was a very mixed up guy, I think. Uh, Join the club, we all are. But he was was someone who trusted God. The New Testament says that Lot was righteous. That's the second letter of Peter, chapter two, verse seven. Lot was righteous. Lot trusted God, even though he made lots of mistakes. And he's living in Sodom. And that's why Abraham has been praying. Now, here we come to chapter 19. Let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. Firstly, in chapter nineteen, verses one to five, Sodom's wickedness. Just have a look. I mean, we've already heard it read to us by Daniel. I won't read it all again. But the two angels arrive in verse one. I don't think so, I don't think lot I don't think they look like angels. I think they look like ordinary ordinary men. But they're two angels sent from God to Sodom. They arrive, Lot welcomes them and offers them hospitality. And um, verse four, before they had gone to bed, oh, I should have read verse three, sorry. Uh, Halfway through verse three, Lot prepared a meal for these two angels, for these two men, baking bread without yeast, and they ate Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Now this is quite a shocking passage, isn't it, for a number of reasons. This looks as though it's going to be homosexual gang rape. This is Sodom's wickedness. But I just need to say something about that so we don't misunderstand it. If you read what the Bible says about homosexuality, it's very clear being same-sex attracted is not sinful. Being same-sex attracted is not sinful. But putting that into practice, into sexual activity, is The Bible says that the right context for sex, the reason God created sex, the right context for sex is between one man and one woman in a committed relationship called marriage. The Bible's very clear on that. So the Bible is clear. It's not sinful to be same-sex attracted, but it is sin to put that into practice this is Sodom's wickedness and I just need to say something else here the Bible doesn't say that homosexuality homosexual activity is the worst sin it absolutely doesn't the worst sin is to break the greatest command and the greatest command we've actually already heard it this morning when Daniel was 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 dedicated The greatest command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if I'm not keeping that command, which I'm not, are you? Then we're committing the greatest sin. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. All of us are guilty. But there we are in verses 1 to 5, Sodom's wickedness. And at the end of the passage, we're going to see God destroying Sodom. But now look at the second section. Secondly, in verses 6 to 22, God's mercy. Now, this is wonderful. This passage is full of God's justice in action, isn't it? It's a difficult chapter to read in many ways. God is going to destroy the city of Sodom because of Sodom's wickedness. But you look at verses 6 to 22, and you'll see God's justice is there, but you will also see God's mercy is there. And what the writer does here in verses 6 to 22, he gives us four scenes, they're up on the screen now, four scenes where we see not only the justice of God, but also the mercy of God, because God loves to be merciful. Have a look at scene one with me, verses six to 11. Verse six, Lot went outside to meet all the men of Sodom and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. This is appalling, isn't it, what he's doing here? Extraordinary. Lot is a very mixed up man. This is terrible what he's doing i bring my daughters out. Help yourselves. This is terrible. End of verse 8, but don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Verse 9, get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. Now have a look at verses 10 and 11. But the men inside, that's the angels, reached out, pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. Now, verse 11 is justice, God's judgment in action. This is God's justice, God's judgment. I just need to say something about the blindness thing there. The Hebrew word, I don't know any Hebrew apart from shalom, amen, amen and hallelujah, but I've read the books. And the word for blindness here is not talking about permanent blindness. It's talking about just being blinded like by a bright light. So suddenly the, the angels strike these guys with that sort of blindness so they can't find the door to break in and get to the two angels. There's God's justice is there, right? But look at verse 10. Look how gracious and kind God is look how look what the angels do the men inside reach out pull Lot back into the house and shut the door they rescue Lot even though even though he's clearly a very mixed up guy but he trusts God there's justice and mercy there do you see the mercy of God there in verse 10 look at scene 2 with me that's verses 12 to 14 The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? sons in law sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Look at verse 13, and you'll see the justice of God. Twice it says there, we're going to destroy the city. But look at God's grace in verse 12. The angels say to Lot, have you got anyone else who trusts God? Anyone else that belongs to you? Get them out of the city. You need to leave the city because we're going to destroy the city. This is God's mercy. Can you see it's God's mercy? God is not saying, I don't care about Lot. He's saying, I I care. Get out with your people. And in verse 14, Lot goes out, speaks to his sons-in-law or his prospective sons-in-law says to them, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. God's not going to do that. God's not going to destroy the city. God's not going to judge. God is not a God of justice. That was scene two. Do you see just God's justice and God's mercy? I think it's wonderful that it's there. Look at scene three. That's verses 15 and 16. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, I, I mean, I, what's up with Lot? Why is he hesitating? Really strange. When he hesitated, but look what, he, what, what, what the, the angels do when he hesitates. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand, the hands of his wife and of his two daughters, and led them safely out of the city. Now look at the end of verse 16, please. For the Lord was merciful to them. You see God's mercy is there? I mean, the angels could have said, when Lot hesitated to leave the city, could have just said, stuff you. But they don't. They grab their hands. Lot's hand, Lot's wife's hands, Lot's daughter's hands and they get them out of the city. They pull them out of the city. That's God's mercy. God's justice is there. The city will be punished, end of verse 15, but God's mercy is there too. Do you see it? God is always a God of justice and a God of mercy. Have a look at scene four, that's verses 17 to 22. Verse 17, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back, don't stop anywhere in the plain, flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. That's justice and mercy there. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please, your servant has found favour. I'm not going to read all of this as verses 18 and 19 and 20 but he basically says no I'm not going to go to the mountains where you say I should go I want to go to that town there called little town there called Zoar I mean he's, he's a difficult character lot isn't he? But look what the angels do. Look at, their, look at the mercy that's here. Verse 21, the angel said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. Can you see that all four of those little scenes there, we see God's mercy. Yes, God's justice is there. God is going to judge the city, but he's merciful when people trust him, he is merciful. And that is wonderful. I, I, I mean, in some ways, you could look at Genesis chapter 19, and you could say it's all about God's justice, because God is, God is judging, God is going to judge, God is going, God is going to destroy Sodom. But it's also about God's mercy. God is always merciful here. Do you see that to Lot? Please nod if you see that God is also merciful. Yeah, there are six or seven of us. That's great. (laughs) But that is something that the whole Bible says. The whole Bible says that God is a God of justice and of mercy. That's why we've given this title to this sermon. God is a God of justice, He will judge sin. He is righteous. He's a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. We see that very clearly in Genesis 19. But if you want to see it at its clearest, come with me to the cross of Jesus. Watch Jesus dying on the cross. When Jesus is dying on the cross, we see the justice of God. Sin is being punished. Our sin is being punished. But when Jesus is dying on the cross, we also see the mercy of God, don't we? Because Jesus takes the punishment instead of us. This is fantastic good news. This is the mercy of God. This is Jesus coming into the world to be the savior of the world, to die on the cross for all our sins. So at the cross, we see the justice and the mercy of God. And that is wonderful. You may, if you believe this, if you believe that's what happened at the cross, if you believe that at the cross, we see God's justice because sin was being punished, and if you believe that at the cross we see God's mercy because Jesus was taking the punishment instead of us, if you believe that, then lift your heart now to God and worship him in your heart. Just say, thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. Let's fill this place with worship because of the mercy of God. I think it's great that Bartek and Eva brought Daniel to be dedicated this morning. I think it's wonderful. I think some family are here as well and maybe some friends as well. It's great that that happened. One of the things that Bartek and Eva are praying for Daniel is that one day he will understand that at the cross, Jesus was paying the price for our sins. That one day he will understand that We see the justice of God there. Sin is being punished, but we see the mercy of God there at the cross because Jesus takes the punishment instead of us. That's what we're praying for for Daniel. This is great good news. This is the mercy of God, and we see that in Genesis 19 all the way from verse 6 to verse 22 but we must look at the end of the passage as well. We've looked at Sodom's wickedness. We've seen God's mercy. And now, thirdly, in verses 23 to 29, Sodom's destruction. Verse 24, then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And then for the first time in this chapter, we meet Abraham. Abraham, who'd prayed in the second half of chapter 18, who'd prayed and said to God, if there are righteous people in the city, are you going to destroy it? Verse 27, early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. Oh, this is terrible destruction and it's not easy to read, is it? Verse 29 is like the summary for the whole passage. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Do you see that there is justice and mercy there? Justice, it says here at the end of verse 29, there was a catastrophe. God overthrew the cities. That's God's justice. Justice is real. God's justice is real. God's judgment is real. There is going to be a judgment day. But do you see that God's mercy is mentioned in verse 29 as well? God remembered Abraham and his prayer in the second half of chapter 18 and he brought Lot out of the city. God's mercy. So there is destruction there, Sodom's destruction. But look at God's mercy. I want to come back to that as we finish I want to come back to the cross because we've seen God's justice and God's mercy in Genesis chapter 19, but we see it most clearly at the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus takes our punishment for our sin so that we can be forgiven. This is wonderful news. God's mercy is offered to everybody. But some people, like the sons-in-law in this passage, they don't want it. They say, no, thank you, I'm not interested. Or they think you must be joking. But this is an offer of mercy held out to everybody. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. Jesus died so that we could be God's friends now and forever. The offer of mercy is there. And if we turn from our sins and put our trust in Jesus, then we are forgiven now and forever. I'm just about to say one of Andrew Page's favorite sentences. We could almost do it as liturgy with people joining in, but please don't. It's just so wonderful that I can say this. I'll say it twice because I like saying it so much. We are forgiven not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. We are forgiven not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm a truster in Jesus I was a teenager when I made the decision to turn from my sins, put my trust in Jesus. I am a truster in Jesus, so I know I'm forgiven. So if you came up to, the, up to me after the service and kills me, this is an illustration, <laughs> not an invitation. I know I would go straight into the presence of God into the presence of Jesus not because I'm good no I'm not but because I'm a truster in Jesus that is so wonderful to know that if you know that if you know that you're forgiven won't you lift your heart to Jesus now and praise him and if you've never done that if you've never turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus maybe this is your day You can make the decision to say, I want to receive this mercy. I want to trust in Jesus who died for me. I want to come to the cross where justice and mercy meet, where my sin is punished, but where Jesus takes the punishment instead of me. I want to come to the cross, I want to come to Jesus, and I want to trust in him. That's the invitation. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is he urging you, encouraging you to take that step? To trust in Jesus and receive the mercy and forgiveness of God. It's the most important decision any of us will ever make. And it will bring us joy.